Do we need an origin story for everything? And how should you approach your day if you only have one day at Disneyland? We'll talk about all of that today on the Magic King Dad podcast. Welcome to the Magic King Dad podcast, a Disney-focused show that talks about everything from the parks to the movies to Disney+. From Marvel to Star Wars to Pixar, I'll bring you news, insight, stories, and history from the parks. Magic King Dad. Okay, so here we go. The Magic King Dad podcast. Thank you so much for allowing me to take part of your day to talk a little bit about Disney. And thank you again for your continued support that I've received over the last couple of weeks. It really means a lot. Let's see what we can do. As I said in my intro, we're going to talk about all things Disney. News, movies, Disney+. Plus. We'll talk about the parks, tips, tricks, and recommendations. We'll talk about the different resorts. We'll talk about all of the different studio properties like Star Wars, Marvel, and Pixar. And I want each of you to be a part of this journey. So make sure that you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Magic King Dad so that you can send your ideas of topics and suggestions about the show. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the newest prequel movie that Disney is releasing and how to approach your Disneyland vacation if you only have one day at the park. First up, we're going to talk about movies. I love a good movie. I talk a lot about movies with a passion because movies are truly a great way to escape reality. So it was important to me to make sure that movie trailers and reviews are a part of this Disney podcast. And since we could all use a good escape from reality lately, I'll do my best to let you know what movies are coming your way, what movies are worth your time, and what movies your kids might have playing on repeat. Last week, Disney released the first trailer for Cruella, the Cruella DeVille live-action prequel film starring Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, and Mark Strong. It's due to be released May 28, 2021, originally supposed to have been released back in December, but got delayed because of COVID-19. According to the synopsis, which you can read on Walt Disney World News Today, Starring La La Land's Emma Stone, Cruella tells the story of the rebellious early days of cinema's most notorious and notoriously fashionable villains, the legendary Cruella de Vil. Set in 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution, Cruella follows a young grifter named Estella, a clever and creative girl determined to make a name for herself with her designs. She befriends a pair of young thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief, and together they are able to build a life for themselves on the London streets. One day, Estella's flair for fashion catches the eye of the Baroness von Hellman, a fashion legend who is devastatingly chic, played by Emma Thompson of Saving Mr. Banks, Brave, among others. But their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the raucous, 
fashionable and revenge bent Cruella. So what are my first thoughts? Do we really need this? This seems to me to be another cash grab idea from Disney. I know that's probably not a popular opinion and probably not the best way to start off a brand new podcast, a Disney podcast at that, but it's my opinion. I've seen all or almost all of the Disney live action remakes, remakes that were not really asked for and not necessary at all, but it's a thing now. And I think that if we're going to get live action remakes from these characters, I wish that they would focus on the original stories. Now, I know what you're saying, but Sean, they already made a live action 101 Dalmatians. Yes, I know it was an okay movie. It was also released, hold on to your hats, mom and dads, 25 years ago. So they could have remade that live action movie. Personally, I don't need an origin story for Cruella de Vil. I know that she's an iconic character, but I never sat down watching 101 Dalmatians and thought, how did she become so crazy? What would possess a woman to kidnap all of those dogs? Does it really take 101 dogs to make a jacket? Or was that just enough to make a limited line of puppy coats? And honestly, I'm afraid of what kind of sympathy they're going to bring to the character. They did the same thing with Maleficent, arguably the greatest Disney villain of all time, if we're not counting Darth Vader or Scar. Uh, oh, I'm getting a little off track. That's a debate for another day. Disney took Maleficent and turned her into a misunderstood hero. It takes away from some of the impact of the original movies, if you ask me. Look, I really enjoy Emma Stone's work. I loved La La Land and I think that she totally dives headfirst into every role she plays. I'll be very interested in how she approaches this role. I am for sure going to watch this movie. Hopefully, it'll surprise me. What about you? Do you have the same concerns I do? Or are you yelling at your car stereo right now telling me how wrong I am? Let me know on social media, at MagicKingDad, on Twitter and Instagram. Let's move to the parks. Today we're going to talk about how to get the most from your trip to Disneyland if you're only at the park for one day. This is specifically for Disneyland, however I guess this plan could technically be used at Magic Kingdom. Just remember to adjust accordingly. Magic Kingdom is a much bigger park and Walt Disney World generally needs multiple days at the park to experience properly. Before we get started in discussing how you should plan your day at Disneyland, you need to ask yourself a couple of questions. Is this your first time? Yes? Great. Welcome to one of the most historical and charming theme parks ever. No? How long has it been since you've been? Will you be bringing the kids? Don't look at me like that. We all know that Disneyland is more fun if you leave the kids at home with grandma. If you are bringing the kids though, how many and how old are they? For the purpose of this example, we're going to pretend that Nana already had plans and couldn't watch the kids. Sorry, Dad. Looks like you're going to have to bring the little ones. Don't worry, though. If you follow the majority of these suggestions, you're going to have a fun time. First, a little disclaimer. Disneyland has been closed for almost a year, and we still don't know when it will reopen. Many of these suggestions will depend on when it reopens and the state of the pandemic when it reopens. How many events will Disneyland decide to cancel or hold off on for the time being? I will readdress some of these when we get more news. For my first tip, 
you don't have to stay on site. Look, there's a lot of perks at staying at a Disney resort. You're close to the parks. After a long day of walking, you don't have to walk much farther than the entrance to get to your hotel. You don't have to find or pay for parking. The dining is good. Places like Trader Sam's at Disneyland Hotel and the Napa Rose at the Grand Californian offer unique experiences that you won't find just anywhere. While Downtown Disney offers lots of options like Naples Pizzeria for some really good pizza or one of my all-time favorite quick sandwich spots, Earl of Sandwich. Downtown Disney is also great for shopping and activities, which is a perk if you're staying close to the resort. But Disney knows that it's providing these accommodations for you. They built Downtown Disney specifically for that reason, and they're going to charge you for it a lot. And that's okay. No judgment to Disney for charging as much as they do. They bring the experience, and it's usually always worth it. But if you're going to only be at the parks for a day, why pay that kind of money? For the price of one night at the Disneyland Hotel, you could probably get an additional two days at the park. We rented a place in Balboa 20 minutes away for a couple of nights and got to experience the parks and the beach. Look, if staying at Disneyland is your jam and you've got the cash flow, by all means, do your thing. But if you're trying to do Disneyland on a bit of a budget, don't be ashamed of finding a place further down the road and rent a car. It's not the end of the world and you're probably going to find that a lot of those hotels or Airbnbs are actually pretty sweet. Get to Anaheim the day before if possible. Spend the afternoon and evening exploring downtown Disney. This is a great way to experience the Disney magic for free. Sure, if you choose to buy something or dine, it'll cost you some money, but there are a lot of free things that you can experience as well. You could window shop or listen to musical performances and they don't cost anything at all. Also, if you stop by the Disney store and do your shopping before the park day, that means that you don't have to worry about shopping inside the parks, which means you're saving time. Here's my next tip. Get character dining. Goofy's Kitchen at the Disneyland Hotel or Minnie and Friends at the Plaza Inn inside Disneyland is a great way to make lifelong memories and be strategic at the same time. Dude, you have one day at Disneyland. Do you really want to spend all day waiting in line to get a picture with Goofy or Donald or Disney princesses? I didn't think so. If you took my first suggestion and saved some money by staying off property, then you may have some spare cash to splurge a little on a pretty great and strategic experience. Here are a couple pros and cons to purchasing character dining. Pro number one, this is a great way to have the meet and greet that your kids and some adults are going to want to wait in line for, but save all the time in lines. All of the characters stop by your table and will take pictures. Pro tip number two, do you have little ones who want to meet their favorite princess? Disney princess dining breakfast at Napa Rose at the Grand Californian will be what you're looking for. Here's a con for you. The food is just okay. Don't expect the best food in town. It's your typical Mickey waffles and eggs. Without the characters, the food would not be worth the price. But again, the time saved makes for an easier day not waiting in lines to meet characters. Con number two, it's pricey for sure. It's definitely not for doing Disneyland on the cheap, but again, it's totally worth the time saved for standing in line and meeting some of the characters. 
This next one could be a pro or a con. They have character dining for everyone in the family. The problem is, is that your family is probably going to have to take a vote because you're going to have to choose which character experience you want. You're not going to get Donald and Belle at the same breakfast. Here's a bonus hack for you. If you have breakfast, say at 7 a.m. at the plaza inside Disneyland, you're in the park and can activate your fast pass as soon as the park opens, which also means that you'll have a better chance to schedule that boarding pass for Rise of the Resistance. Another bonus hack, your early reservations means that you're one of the first in the park if you choose Minnie's Breakfast, which means less people on Main Street for that better picture in front of the castle. Side note, if you want to meet Mickey, the only character dining spot he's going to be at is Mickey's Tale of Adventure Buffet at Storyteller's Cafe inside the Grand Californian. And get your reservation set as soon as possible for as early as possible. It'll be an early morning, but you're only going to be at the park for one day. Make the most of it. Make sure that you're in the park as soon as it opens. If you can't get a reservation before the park opens, I would personally skip the breakfast. It's not worth an hour plus that you're going to waste not experiencing the park. Are everyone's tummies full? Did everybody get their Mickey waffles? Great. Let's get over to the park. Get to the parks early. Crowds are horrible, let's be honest. Even if you're the biggest Disney fan in the world, chances are that you enjoy the parks a lot more when there are less people in them. When is the park the least crowded? Early in the morning. You only have one full day in the park, so there's no excuse to sleep in, especially if you took my advice and experienced the character dining breakfast. Regardless of if it's your first time at the park, please rope drop. I cannot express this enough. Roughly one out of every two of Disneyland's annual visitors this past year was an annual pass holder and is local. For all of you math nerds out there, that's roughly half of all guests in the park, which means they typically show up in the evenings after school, work, and errands during the day, meaning the park is typically emptier in the morning, meaning you can get on more rides and attractions before 3 or 4 p.m. Tickets are too expensive to show up later in the day when you're only there for one day. Make sure that you are there when the gates open. Don't park hop. Look, I get that it can be really tempting to want to ride Cars and Guardians of the Galaxy and then jump over and do Star Wars and Indiana Jones, but the truth is, is that you waste so much time, even in the close proximity to Disney California, standing in lines and walking back and forth. Save that for a two or three day visit. This next section is going to talk about FastPass and MaxPass. Use them. This is probably all going to change most likely when Disneyland reopens, but if it stays the same or close to it, use FastPasses to avoid the line. FastPass, MaxPass was definitely worth the extra price that we paid on our last trip. You can't activate the max pass until you are in the parks. Keep that in mind. So don't think that you're going to go book a late breakfast, stroll down downtown Disney, do some window shopping, maybe stop by some of the hotels and still have a crack at whatever fast pass you want. Depending on the day, these passes can go quick. So keep that in mind. Don't waste your fast pass on rides that you plan on riding first thing in the morning. You'll get more fast passes, but the purpose is to save time in line. 
Don't use a fast pass for Indiana Jones at 8.15 if you plan to go right to Indiana Jones and ride it. Book your fast pass for Indiana Jones, then go to Big Thunder, Space Mountain, or Peter Pan and ride those rides a couple of times while the line is short. Then head over and use your pass for Indiana Jones. Just make sure you get there before the time runs out. Peter Pan. Another unpopular opinion moment, this is probably one of the most overrated rides at Disneyland, and yet it's one of the most popular rides at Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. Don't get me wrong, it's a cute ride, my wife loves it, we ride it every time we're at the park, but let's be honest fellas out there, it's not worth an hour plus wait. Either hit it first thing in the morning or use a fast pass. Complete the areas of the park that are busier later in the day first. This is a piece of advice that we didn't necessarily follow on our last trip because our last trip was more for our son. We wanted to take the day slow. We weren't trying to hit every ride. Instead, we were just trying to watch the shows and do things that our two-year-old at the time would enjoy. Fantasyland is always busier later in the day. And with the tight quarters inside the land, it can get overwhelming and daunting. So my advice is complete this land first. When you get into the park, get your max pass for Space Mountain or Indiana Jones or whatever big ride you must ride. Then head right for Peter Pan. Fantasyland has a bunch of short rides that can be knocked out quickly. And on most days, you can knock out most of the rides in the first hour that the park is open. Again, I recommend writing Peter Pan first, followed by Alice in Wonderland. Don't do Batu first thing in the morning. I've been a Star Wars fan my entire life. I often dreamt about how cool it would be for a theme park to exist that was Star Wars themed years before Disney bought the rights to the franchise. So I say this as someone who is dying to see what it's all about. Don't do Star Wars Land first thing in the morning. Outside of doing Rise of the Resistance when your boarding pass is called, don't spend your time early in the morning and Batu. This is one hint that I've learned from other bloggers and podcasts that for me is going to be very difficult to do. I know that holding off until the evening is going to be tough. However, I've been told that Batu is really busy in the morning with everyone trying to get onto Rise and Smuggler's Run that you don't truly get the full experience. I've also seen pictures of the land at night. It seems like the overall experience that you get at night with lower crowds would be helpful. Make sure that you ride the attractions that no other park has. The first ride on my list is Indiana Jones. In my opinion, this is one of, if not the best ride at a Disney park in the last 30 years. I know that Rise of the Resistance and Flight of Passage at Animal Kingdom have since knocked this ride off its long-standing pedestal as the best ride at Disney, but if you're going to Disneyland, this is a must-do. This is a ride that I definitely want to drill down on in a future episode of the show. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is one of Walt Disney's original opening day rides from back in 1955, and this version of the ride has been around since 1983. They took the ride out of the Magic Kingdom in Florida in 1998. So if you're an East Coaster, this is a ride that you can't experience anywhere except for over at Disneyland. The Matterhorn Bobsleds. It's the first known tubular steel roller coaster. It's a Disneyland exclusive. 
I have to ride the Matterhorn every time that I'm at the parks, although I must admit I'm not a huge fan of the ride. It's fun for sure, but the track is outdated and it's a rough ride. But it can only be experienced at Disneyland, so in my opinion, it's a must-do. Alice in Wonderland may be one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. Okay, maybe it's not my favorite in the whole park, but definitely in Fantasyland. This ride is such a fun take on the movie and only got better during its last update in 2014, when Disneyland added special effects to make this ride pop. It's such a bright and fun attraction and again can only be found at Disneyland. Side note, this ride is way better than Peter Pan. Pirates of the Caribbean What can be said about pirates that hasn't been said in the past? It's the original. It had to be built underground because, and this is hard to believe, Disneyland didn't have enough room to build it at the time. It was so popular that when the Magic Kingdom opened in October of 1971 and the Pirates ride wasn't there, there was great disappointment from the guests. But the Magic Kingdom version is much shorter and this one at Disneyland cannot be missed. It's a small world. I know. You can find this attraction at literally every Disneyland or Magic Kingdom park around the world. But what makes this special? Well, this is the original ride brought over to Disneyland after the famous 1964 New York World's Fair. There's just something about this version, thinking about the Sherman Brothers composing the song and Mary Blair designing the 300 plus audio animatronics. I like to think of this as more of a history lesson. The Haunted Mansion. This is another ride that is in almost every park. But the cool thing about the Haunted Mansion is that a lot of them have different stories to tell. So. If you're a regular to Disney World, the mansion and the backstory is a little different than the one at Disneyland. The Phantom Manor at Disneyland Paris is way different than the attractions here in the States. Nonetheless, this attraction is a must-do every time you're at the parks. Also, if you're there during the holidays, make sure that you catch the Nightmare Before Christmas version of the Haunted Mansion. Just plan ahead because this version always brings longer lines. Might need to use one of your fast passes. Roger Rabbit and Toontown in general. This is a surprisingly great ride. It reminds me a lot of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, but with the Roger Rabbit Toontown twist. It's funny and exciting. It's the best ride in Toontown in my opinion. And if you have little ones, take a little break and allow them to run through the land. There's a bunch of playgrounds that they can run through and get their yayas out. It might even cause them to fall asleep in the stroller when they're tired of playing. Everything in Toontown is exaggerated and cartooned out, which makes the land a lot of fun for everyone. Did I miss any? What are your must-do attractions? What to eat. We all need to eat. And with the way that Disneyland pumps out all of those delicious smells throughout the park, it's almost impossible not to want to stop and grab something to eat every couple of minutes. But you only have one day at the park. You're going to be wasting a lot of valuable time if you're not smart about how and when you eat. First, bring snacks in with you into the park. Bring granola bars and fruit snacks. Uncrustables work great for a light snack too. But you're going to probably want to eat lunch or dinner or both at one of Disneyland's food courts or restaurants. I don't blame you at all. We love sitting down at the Golden Horseshoe for a show or having a Dole Whip at the Tropical Hideaway. Just be strategic about when you decide to eat. Restaurants are often busier at lunchtime between noon and two and dinner time between five and 
I don't really know because we're usually riding attractions while everyone is eating. Our suggestion is to eat between 10.30 and 11 for lunch and eat dinner between 3 and 4. Does that sound early to you? Good. It should. It sounds early to me too, but keep in mind that you can always grab a snack around the park if you get hungry later. And remember that you brought some treats with you from home. Trust me, the time that you save from not having to search for a table to sit at is more time that you get to experience the park. Watch the fireworks. No one does a fireworks show quite like Disney, and I highly recommend Fantasmic. Both the Castle Show and Fantasmic are shows that are not to be missed. But use a fast pass for Fantasmic as soon as they become available. This will help you get a place to watch the show without having to wait for hours. Don't worry about getting the best seat in the house for the Castle Fireworks. You can see them from almost anywhere on Main Street. And while, yes, you may get a better view or picture of the castle and the fireworks the closer that you stand to the castle, it's not worth the precious time that you'll lose standing in your spot waiting for the show to start. The last time that we were at Disneyland, people were lined up at 6 p.m. for a 9 p.m. show. That is insane. You don't need to do this. I mean, I suppose that some of you have to do this, but believe me when I say that for the majority of us, it's not necessary. Unless you're filming a vlog and need the best view from the park, don't worry about getting a dead center view. You're just going to waste your night. Don't be fooled by the people standing or sitting, holding their place for the show. Just because they are, doesn't mean that you need to. We stood practically down by the Main Street train station and we were able to experience the show perfectly. And we were also one of the first families out of the park. And think about it this way, dads. For every one person standing waiting to see the fireworks show, that's one less person in the park waiting to ride Space Mountain. Be aware that the fireworks shows are often canceled due to high winds. I hope that doesn't happen when your family's there, but it is very possible. Try not to get too disappointed. There's always next time. If you've seen the fireworks before, this is a great time to get on Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain, or any of the typically longer lined rides. Shop after the park closes. The shops on Main Street typically stay open about an hour after the park closes. So take that time to walk through the shops while the Main Street clears out. You'll have a little extra time of magic and you won't have to worry about being packed into a funnel of people trying to get to the exits. Be sure to have a plan or don't. Are you by yourself or are you with your family? Do you have small kids in a stroller or is it just you and your partner? Have you invited me to tag along? I don't know, I'm not a mind reader. Seriously though, personally, I have found that it is more fun to just wing it a little bit versus going by a strict schedule. But if you have little ones, you might need to map out the day a little more differently. Just some advice. If you're bringing little ones under five, prepare for a meltdown or two. Disneyland is a lot to process for a toddler. Take things slow. Try to focus more on what they are experiencing versus what you want to accomplish. Our kiddos' trip to Disneyland was much different than how I would typically approach the park by myself or with my wife. Know where you want to go, but be ready to reassess if the crowds are heavy. If you see everyone walking down Main Street and heading right towards Space Mountain, this might be a great opportunity to conquer Fantasyland, Adventureland, or Frontierland. Use a fast pass for Space Mountain later. 
If you have kiddos under the age of five or six, bring a stroller. You may think, and they may tell you, that they don't want to use a stroller because they don't typically use a stroller anywhere else. Disneyland is a different monster altogether. We're not talking about Target here. Kids have small legs, so unless you want to keep stopping to rest, or dad, if you want to be carrying your little ones on your shoulders all day, bring a stroller. If the kids want to walk for a while, fine. Put your backpack and the snacks in the stroller until your kids finally look up at you and say their feet hurt. Then you'll be prepared. You can thank me later. We talked about this earlier, but just a reminder, eat during the off times. Lunch at 11 a.m. and dinner at 3 p.m. You'll be thankful at noon and at 5 when the lines for the rides are a lot shorter. Don't be afraid to take breaks. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to muscle through the day only for the people that I'm with to get frustrated because I just want to go, go, go. It can be frustrating, but believe me that meltdowns will be fewer and farther between if you just grab a Dole Whip and some popcorn and sit down for a breather. Just make sure that you do this when everyone else is standing in long lines. And finally, if you have young ones, and especially if you have babies, they won't remember their time. We took my son in 2019 just before he turned two. He's about to turn four and doesn't remember his Disney trip outside of the pictures that we have around the house. So take your time. Don't exhaust everyone trying to accomplish everything. Take pictures, take in the sights, but don't rush from attraction to attraction trying to give your little one the best experience. Give yourself the best experience. Okay, so that's it. Those are my tips for having a successful one-day trip to Disneyland. Keep in mind that even if you use these tips down to the very last detail, something will go wrong. A ride may break down or may be under renovation. Your kid may wake up in a bad mood and may delay you leaving your hotel for 20 minutes. Someone may lose a contact or throw a retainer in the garbage. Someone may have a meltdown around nap time and teenagers are going to get sassy. Take it all in stride. It's Disneyland. It's a place of making magical moments. The worst times that I've ever had at a Disney park are still some of my favorite memories. So, how did I do? Not bad for my first podcast. Did I leave anything out? What are your suggestions? I have a new email address and I'd like to hear from you. Email me your favorite tips and advice to having a successful day at Disneyland. Email me at magickingdad at gmail.com and in the subject line put one day at Disneyland tips. Maybe I'll read your suggestions on the show. Just let me know if you want me to use your name or not. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Now it's time to say goodbye. But first, it's time for Did You Know? Did you know that Sleeping Beauty Castle is actually built backwards? It's true. The front of the castle that you see entering the park down Main Street was actually supposed to be the back of the castle. And the back of the castle inside Fantasyland was supposed to be the front. During the creation of the model for the castle, Imagineers didn't like the way it looked, and in a panic effort to impress Walt, who was on his way to check out the model, decided to turn it around so the back was the main focus. To their surprise, Walt said, Hey, that looks good. Let's do it that way. And the rest is history. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. 
If you feel so inclined, please leave me a five-star rating and leave a comment or a review down below. It helps the podcast get discovered. Also, please make sure that you join the magic and follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at MagicKingDad. I try to be pretty active in the comments over there. Until next time, have a magical day and a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. See you guys.